If you look at the beginning of the Bhagavad Gita, you'll notice there's a list of the parampara. Krishna, Brahma, Narada, Vyasa, Madhva, all the way down uh, to present day. Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur includes here luminaries from the tradition of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. It's not a it's a mixture of Diksha and Shikshas. So he he put them in the order of prominence, just like in science, you don't list every single person who's ever done research on a science project. But you list the main the giants, the names of those who are indelibly printed on the scientific journals for having led the way in a major way. And so we depend on the mercy of the previous acharyas in order to advance in devotional service. In the Srimad Bhagavatam, the demigods praying to Lord Krishna within the womb called this Mahatkritam. They say that the means through which one can go back home, back to Godhead, is given through the process that is marked by the great souls. And if one follows that process, Rupa Goswami also summarizes tat tat karma pravartanat, the various ways in which the previous acharyas have set the example to follow various processes in devotional service, then one will be successful. In the Chaitanya Bhagavat, it is said that if one is a devotee of Lord Narayan, one may or may not be successful. But if one is a devotee of the devotee of Lord Narayan, one will definitely be successful. Go back to Godhead. And so the Guru Parampara is very powerful. As we see from the pastime of Nalakuvera and Manigriva, that Mataji mentioned in class this morning in the courtyard of Nanda Maharaj. They had been cursed by Narada, had Nalakuvera and Manigriva, that they would stand as trees, twin Arjun trees in the courtyard of Nanda Maharaj. And then they would uh, be liberated by Krishna himself when he pulled the grinding mortar. They stood there for thousands of years, and then they were privy to all the pastimes that took place there at Nanda Maharaj's courtyard. And when Krishna himself, who had been tied by Mother Yashoda to the grinding mortar, then was pulling it, he thought to himself, as we hear through the Srimad Bhagavatam, that my great devotee Narada has already spoken these words that they would be liberated by me when I appear. Therefore, to please my devotee Narada, I'm going to liberate them now. So he pulled down the trees. Little baby pulls the grinding mortar, catches between the two uh, Arjun trees, which are very deeply rooted, strong, stout trees, and he pulled them to the ground. And then Nalakovara and Manigriva came out and received the benediction of Krishna because it was the, spoken by Narada. So this is the idea when given through the mouth of a pure devotee, benediction, or as the Bhagavatam says, the process established by those who are dear to Krishna is so powerful that if one approaches the process, it's a, it's a, cold, uh, it's a boat. And if one approaches that boat, then the ocean of material existence shrinks to the size of the hoofprint within, the, the water contained within the hoofprint of a calf. If that's not dramatic enough for you, I don't know what is. An ocean, and then it shrinks to the size, you can just step over it. That's the potency of following the mahats, or the great souls. And kritena, the, the process that they've given. So we remember the great souls, and we, we worship our guru parampara, because that is the primary means through which we advance in devotional service. We started uh, at the yoga pit, and this is the reset button for all devotees. 
It's like on your phone, you have a home button. Everything has a home button. Otherwise, we don't know where we are or what to do. And living entities, jivas, unless they have a, the right home button, they get uh, bewildered. They're brahmanda brahmate. They're wandering in the, in the vast cosmos. They don't know where they are and how they got there. Nobody here knows how you got here, right? Like you just came out and you were in a certain family kind of surroundings and people said, here, take this, eat that. And you're just obligated. And then uh, nobody really knows where they're going either. We just uh, unceremoniously are asked to leave at some time and it, things come unexpectedly in this world. We don't know how they came to us exactly or why. Four things come extremely unexpectedly. One is, well, <laughs> that's not on the list. One is uh, mosquitoes. You never know when they're going to get you. You just know that you were bitten, and then it's too late. Another is monkeys. They jump out of nowhere. They'll take your glasses, your bead bag, anything like that. And before you know it, you realize it's gone. Another one is uh, pickpockets. <laughs> pickpockets nail you, and then you, you, you just realize a little while later that it's all gone, and it's... That's so stealthy, you're not even sure what happened. And then the last one is death. So monkeys, mosquitoes, pickpockets, and death. They come out of nowhere. So we're in this uh, bewildered situation, and unless living entities aligned properly with home, knowing who the master is, then it's an extremely stressful situation. We're left on our own. We see here uh, the dogs that are left to their own advices. Dogs have to have a master. Otherwise, they just get mange and they get bitten by other dogs and they're left to wander. And similarly, uh, jivas, we need to have clear master. Otherwise, we get bad masters. Bad masters of the senses, bad leaders, and so coming to the yoga pit, it's a celebration of finding our home. Bhagavatam says that a weary traveler comes home, feels so much relief, because finally, I'm back in my place. Ayurveda says the best place to heal is your place you were born, place you're, that you call home. Otherwise, it's very stressful. So. For the living entities who've been wandering birth after birth in this material world, having a clear orientation, getting some sambandagyan knowledge about who I am, who my master is, what is my abhideya? What, what should I be doing, actually, besides getting a vocation to uh, make baskets or something like that? Or, you know, whatever... Whatever one does, inventive way one does to try to survive, pay the rent. We really want some abhideya, some process that is taking us towards the prayojana, the goal. Otherwise, we feel dissatisfied, agitated, angry. Sound familiar? Not you guys, you're never. But everyone feels disturbed by the circumstances which are very mysterious. So that's why Krishna comes. Krishna appears in the world just to save us. And he's very demonstrative about it. Mahaprabhu particularly, when he appeared, he came and he made a, a big show. This is what Queen Kunti says, Maya javani kachchanam ajnad hoksa jamad avyayam nalakshate mudadrisha nato natya darodhyata. She says, Krishna, you're just like an actor on a stage. You do these big performances. And you show your, yourself in dramatic ways. People can't always understand who you are. There's a curtain of, of illusory energy, either internal or external, so that people can't see who Krishna is. But he comes specifically to show himself for the devotees and to invite others who are innocent to come back home, back to Godhead. So that place, the yoga pit, is is that place. There's got to be a place 
If there's no place, there's, like they used to say about Oakland, California, there's no there there. It's like you can't figure out what it's, what it's doing, uh, what the center of the city is, or it's just, it's a, or maybe that was San Jose, there's no there there. So Yoga Pit is our there. That's our place. And that's where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared. And as I was saying, he did it in dramatic fashion. He appeared on the day that the moon would be eclipsed. And when the moon comes into eclipse, all the local people, the Hindus, everybody actually freaks out because it means that Rahu is coming and all your pious credits will be absorbed by Rahu. So they take shelter. They cover everything, and then they go in the Ganga, and they, they chant the holy names to stay uh, in a pure state and not be devoured in this uh, dangerous transformational time. So that's when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared, and everyone was in the Ganga chanting Hare Krishna, uh, yelling the names of the Lord and staying in the Ganga. So that's how the Lord makes arrangements so that everyone's on the same page chanting Hare Krishna when he appears. That was what he came to teach and that was the dramatic way that he introduced it. So that's where he was born. That's where he appeared in that place that we started off under the neem tree. He was named Nimai specifically so that would ward off any bad influences because the neem tree is known to help with that. And as a child, Nimai was known here in Navadweep to be kind of a rascal like Krishna was. He would steal and go to house to house and steal from people. And then when they'd catch him, he'd get on his knees and beg them, please, I'll never do it again if you just let me go this one time. But he and his friends, especially after his father, Jagannath Mishra, uh, told him he's not going to school anymore because his father reasoned that if he gets too much gyan, he's going to leave home. He's going to become renunciate and leave. So he, he told Nimai, no more school for you. You just stay home, just relax, no problem. <laughs> and after that, he really got rambunctious he and his friends used to go, people would use outhouses here. They didn't have in inside plumbing. So he would uh, tie their doors shut from the outside so they couldn't get out. So, of course, no Hindu's going to, um, I mean, they need to get out to use the outhouse. But they couldn't. So they'd be screaming, and he and his friends would be laughing. And sometimes they'd dress up like a bull. They'd get a bull outfit, uh, two of them together, they act like a bull and they go into people's banana fields and they start ravaging the place, you know, breaking the trees and people come running out. He and his friends would run away laughing and so forth. And even at the Ganga, he used to come up and down and he'd find sadhus who were sitting properly meditating. They had all their stuff and he would come up out of the water and spit water on them. And so many complaints came back to Jagannath Mishra Actually, he, some of them were very actionable. So Jagannath Misha, one day, when he found out that Nimai was up to his pranks and the people were complaining about him, he marched down to find him at the Ganga. And on the way there, some of Nimai's friends told him, you know, your, your father's coming, you better get out of here. So he left and he, he took a different route home and by his mystic potency... He looked like he hadn't been in the Ganges. He had ink on his hands, because at school they used these ink pens and the ink would get on your hands. And he had all the, all the school clothes on and he came by a different path. And then his father went to find him at the Ganga. He wasn't there. Everyone said, no, no, he's not here. And then when his father found him coming back, actually it was from the Ganga, but it looked like he was coming from school. And I said, what is the problem? Why are people complaining? I'm just trying to do my schoolwork. And, uh, of course, this pastime when he was sitting at home on some discarded pots and his mother, Shachi, was admonishing him, you should come down from there 
And they were speaking back and forth. And she told them the philosophy, why you should come down. Nimai said, well, how should I know? I don't go to school. You don't let me learn anything. And the neighbors heard that. And they said, which enemy has advised you to tell your son not to go to school? And Jagannath Mishra began to argue with them. And they said, listen, just let him go to school. It's destiny, what's going to happen. And he was afraid, was Jagannath Mishra, that, that Nimai would leave home. So he allowed him to go back to school. And then as he was getting into his adolescence, he became such a great scholar that everyone was afraid of him. In fact, sometimes he was so argumentative and so powerful in his arguments in grammar, logic, that when others would see him walking down the street, they'd cross the street before he'd get there because they knew he'd stop them and say, hey, let's, let's have a debate. And Nimai would always prevail and make a, a fool out of people. By twi- he had such expertise. He would sometimes arguing with some of the other boys who were going to schools and some of the older boys there, he would challenge them up and down the Ganges. There were different camps that studied with various scholars. And some of them he'd go up to and he'd challenge them to debate. And they say, you're just in the, in the lower classes. Why do you want to debate with, with us? And he said, well, just try me then. And then they would say, okay. And they would start to debate and they'd make a, a, a really good argument. And Nimai would say, um, is that your argument? They say, yes. And then he'd defeat it. And they say, wow, that was amazing. And they say, actually, it was wrong. And then he'd defeat his own argument. And in this way, he'd leave people, he'd twist them around philosophically and just leave them standing there bewildered. And this was his pastimes in his, in his adolescence. Said he's learned from his, uh, his teacher, Gangadas, everything, he'd immediately absorb it. He'd learn it perfectly because he's the omniscient Supreme Personality of Godhead. So it wasn't until he came to Gaya to do the Shraddha ceremony for his father. It's a ceremony for the, de- the deceased relative, the deceased father, um, that is done typically in Gaya, and you find other um, great personalities and even incarnations who've gone there to perform this ceremony. And when he went there, he met his guru, Srila Ishvara Puri. And when he came back to Navadvip, he was in a completely different mood. Going here and there to serve the Vaishnavas. And everyone was amazed that he had come back uh, a changed person. The word got out. Because they always thought, did the Vaishnavas in Navadvip, that if, if he would just become a devotee, if he would join our program we'd really have something. And they were, dis- they were discouraged that with such great young talent and it was being wasted on just arguing. So all this happened right here. We're in the um, middle of the nine islands. We're in Antardweep. She Antardweep is where the yoga pit is. It's the center part. It's the home space, the home button where the Lord appears. And performs many worshipable pastimes. And as these pastimes, the transcendental pastimes that one can hear, they're pleasurable to hear about. We need to hear about some person or some character. Um, I, I saw when we were flying on this uh, airline over here, they have TVs all over the whole um, airplane. Everyone has a TV in front of them. And I was thinking that it's dark in there, it's a fuselage, you get the same air recycled over and over again and people just sitting there for 15 hours. And if they didn't have some people to look at and some kind of dialogue going on, they would go crazy. It's really hard to survive even for 10, 15 hours without some kind of rasa for living entities. That's our nature. And uh, people really like characters too. That they don't like boring things, they like all kinds of characters. So Krishna comes and he has all kinds of friends and uh, associates, younger, older, and his pastimes are quite unusual and fun and interesting. So 
if one can establish one's clear understanding of the tattva, of how it is that there is a supreme personality of God and how it is that we're part and parcel of that supreme personality of God and how it is that a relationship with him is as an eternal servitor. And when we understand that he's actually an interesting person and if we just give our attention to hearing about his activities, it's hard to hear about the activities unless one hears the tattva to understand that here is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Otherwise, it just sounds like stories. Um, so that's why we hear from Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam, which establishes the, the constitutional position of the soul and also of, of Krishna. So um, just starting off in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Kaviraj Goswami says, okay, start at the beginning. He says, Vande Guru and Isha Bhaktan, Ishan Isha Vitarakan, Tat Prakasham Shakti, Krishna Chaitanya Samjikam. In the very first verse of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, we hear, okay, start with those who are bringing you this information and respect them. Vande, give them respect. And who are they? He goes on to explain in. Um, his commentaries on this verse, that there is the gurun, means the, the many gurus. These are ex- actually representatives of Krishna and they come in three kinds. There's the Vartmana Pradakshaka guru who shows the path in the first place. That's a manifestation of Krishna. There's the shiksha gurus who instruct one how to follow the path. The diksha gurus who give one the mantra so that one can come closer to Krishna and follow the process of devotional service. Ishan Ishavatarakam. And then he goes on to talk about how there's the, uh, the Vishnu tattvas, like there's Advaita Acharya, Lord Nityananda, and Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu is Mahaprabhu. And the other two are Prabhus. They're, those three are Vishnu tattva. And then there's the Shaktis, like uh, Gadadhar is the internal potency, and Srivas is the marginal potency. And so everything represented there is perfectly represented in the absolute truth in the panchatattva. So we hear about that and then we can understand that these pastimes of the panchatattva that happened right here in Antardweep, which by the way, in the uh, Navadweep, the nine islands represent the nine processes of devotional service and Antardweep represents the atmanivedanam or full surrender. So you can feel free in this place to fully surrender. Does that sound like a good idea? Say yes. Yes. Okay. If you just submit yourself to the Supreme Personality of God at even one time, and this is something Lord Ramachandra said, anyone who says even once that I surrender to you, my Lord, he said from that day forward, I become that person's uh, guardian. Uh, Krishna never forgets that. So, if, you, if we become oriented towards Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, our master, we'll feel satisfied. And then that satisfaction will multiply as we hear the pastimes of uh, Krishna as Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu here in Navadip Dham. His relationships with his different devotees teach us the various ways of uh, performing devotional service and various lessons of the mood in which to perform devotional service. Then we went to Shiva Sangam where we um, touched the pavement. We've gone to the place where the devotees, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu just sent him out. So that's an ecstatic pastime. He has everything in the house and keeps the doors completely locked. They won't let anybody else in. And then suddenly one day, Mahaprabhu says, okay, go out and do it in the streets. And that's really the beginning of the, the Harinam Sankirtan movement, is the devotees going out and chanting Hare Krishna. And the same thing that happens at every Hare Krishna temple and every community happened at Srivasangam and around the neighborhood that happens in every Hare Krishna neighborhood is that somebody called the cops. And said, these guys are too loud, we never heard of this before. It's crazy. We want to don't be disturbed. We want to go on with our material life. And uh, 
it, it was pretty heavy because it was a political environment here where you could really be thrown in jail, killed, all kinds of um, dastardly things could happen to you because of uh, the way the government was. And so they were threatened and the drums were broken and when they went to Mahaprabhu, he told them that, don't mind, we're going to go on with this. And he, he got together all the village people of the village, all his devotees, and they made torches. Hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of torches. And Vrindavan Das Thakur describes how demigods started appearing. No one knew where everyone was coming from. There were so many people that joined that Sankirtan party that was a demonstration against the Kazi who had stopped them from doing the Sankirtan. They all went to his house and their strength in numbers. So when they got to the place, uh, some of the devotees wanted to wreck his house, started you know, trashing the garden and Mahaprabhu stopped them. So Mahaprabhu went up and he talked to him and the Kazi revealed that he had had a dream that this lion, half man, half lion, had jumped on his chest. He had scratch marks that he showed the devotees. And he s said that this fearsome being had told him that if you ever try to stop Sankirtan again, then I'll tear you to shreds. Srinashingadev Kijai. So these are, these are the transcendental pastimes we see also in spreading Krishna consciousness, the kind of fights that Prabhupada had to keep the um, Juhu property open, um, the, the person who blocked it. Prabhupada was in getting a massage one day. They came in with the news, such and such as he just died. Prabhupada said, Jai. <laughs> it's a, it's a, uh, this is kind of exciting. I, we're part of a, you know, of a movement. And, uh, you know, we're not taking no for an answer. It's, uh, Prabhupada didn't take no for an answer. You know, he knew where the home button was. He knew how this whole thing started. He knew who the backers are. That's the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And, you know, we're not going to go in for any uh, petty, um, you know, instructions by somebody who doesn't know uh, what the purpose of life is. Of course, we try to be as diplomatic as possible in all circumstances. But the, f the point is that the Sankirtan movement must go on. So we take this, um, going to these spots is so refreshing, knowing where we come from, knowing that the great personalities have blessed those who come here and then who go back out to spread Krishna consciousness. The Chaitanya Charita has so much in the ninth chapter about the Panchatattva spreading the Krishna consciousness movement all over the world and how those who follow in their footsteps are also liberated just by performing Sankirtan, which is f fun. And if, if you don't like the status quo in the world, you can mess it up by spreading the Krishna consciousness movement. I mean, the devotees, the devotees in Russia who are so oppressed you know, they, uh, they took to subversive activities. Most subversive activities are a waste of time because they have to do with the bodily conception of life. And people are trying to have a revolution just so they can live more comfortably and, and be, feel satisfied in themselves uh, and go on, go on with their life. But our subversive activities are to establish a re-spiritualization of, of human society to give everyone a chance to get the mercy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, what a charming place. You might have seen the sign over there. If you didn't, when we walk back over, you should see it. That's my favorite sign in the whole Dom, in front of that building. It says, there's nothing to visit here. <laughs> and I always feel like there should be a sign like that in front of the material world before we come in. It's like, don't bother. Just keep moving. Don't come in. Don't come in. Uh, but curiosity killed the cat. So uh, we make a prayer here to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This is his birthplace. We're sitting in Antardweep in a holy place. This is the Dom. It's not different from the spiritual world. 
And we're sitting at the lotus feet of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, our guardian, who painstakingly brought us the, all, all that we need to go back home, back to Godhead, uh, through his uh, servant, His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. So all of you are f- fortunate souls to be here dancing in the Dham and just walking around without a care in the world except for um, how to uh, get in the next kirtan. Right? Hare Krishna. And now we get to hear from His Grace Naveen Anirata Prabhu who um, epitomizes the, the uh, aspect of being a soldier in Lord Chaitanya's movement. And um, going out and meeting people one-to-one and giving them an opportunity to take to Krishna consciousness. He also lives here in the Dham. He lives right in Mayapur Dham. This is his home. He has a, a little room up there that he's been staying in for, for decades. And then going out to various places around the world to make sure that everyone who comes near him uh, gets a transcendental literature. He's also one of the, I think he is the first person to graduate from the Bhaktivedanta um, certification, certification program here. I know because I handed him the certificate. There was two devotees and I made sure he touched his first. <laughs> <laughs> so he was the first here in the Mayapur Dham. And he's just a... Anyway, without much more ado, he's a stalwart. So we just want to hear what he has to say. We want to hear what you have to say about uh, this place and any realizations you can impart. Hare Krishna. So as Prabhu was mentioning, that the entire material ocean, the Baba Sagar, it is shrinking to the size of the water contained in a hoof print of a calf. And in a similar verse, Nridehamadyam Sulabam Sudurlabam Plavam Sukalpam Guru Karnadaram Mayanukurena Nabashvateritam Pumambabdim Natareza Atmaha. There you just step over that little puddle. And in this verse, it is mentioned that you can cross over the ocean by taking shelter of the instructions, the boat that is given by Guru. And Guru Karnadharam means we are hearing from the lotus mouth of the spiritual master. And by hearing these instructions which contain the formula, it's a complete process. Everything is contained. You can cross over the ocean of birth and death. You're speaking about, Prabhu was speaking about full surrender. And to some of us, at least to me, sometimes it sounds a little daring little scary. Are you ready for full surrender? Are you ready to go all in? Like, no stops. Nothing, you know, like you put it all on the table. You say, okay, it's all yours, Krishna, and whatever you want me to be, whatever you want me to have, whatever you want me to do, I'm ready to go with that. But fortunately, every of these nine processes in and of themselves are complete. So if full surrender sounds a little daring and a little scary, then why not just start with shravanam, with the hearing process? And the mind says, okay, I can do that. Let's hear a little bit. I mean, not too much, but a little bit. So we should hear from the right source for a very long time. Srila Prabhupada, was singled out by his Gurudev, Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur. And he noticed him. He said, I have noticed him because he hears attentively, so he will speak very nicely. Srila Prabhupada mentioned that in his own life, he only saw his Gurudev about a dozen times because he had a family and a business and moving around all of India. So he only saw his Gurudev about a dozen times, but he said, every time I met him, I was very, very eager to hear from him. And because I heard and I absorbed and I accepted his instructions as made it my life and soul, that's why now I can 
preach, and he attributed all his potency, all his success to his spiritual master's mercy and blessings. So in a similar way, in this place, let us take shelter of the instructions of our Gurudev and absorb ourselves intently in these instructions and meditate how we can make them our life and soul. Srila Prabhupada met his spiritual master first in 1922. And he took initiation in 33, so that's 11 years. And then 44, we know, so on. It took seemingly a few decades before Srila Prabhupada could go all in and externally manifest his full surrender. But he commented that when I saw him in Ultadanga Junction, where you, most of you have been, on that rooftop, he said that right there and then and I accepted him as my spiritual master, as my guide. So even though it is a momentary decision, that moment is ongoing. We can't say, yes, I surrendered, I accepted the path, or I accepted initiation, but it's an ongoing process. And it, it, intent, it, it, it intensifies as we go along the process. So by this hearing, then the chanting will become very ecstatic. Like we have seen, the kirtan is very enlivening, it is very attractive. And in fact, so much attractive that People stop being rickshaw drivers and shopkeepers and beggars and they all just come and want to join in. They want to, yeah, yeah, I'm one of you, you know, like, <laughs> I can do this too, I like this. They give up their regular occupations and join the, the team. And that's the bliss, the beauty of the Sankirtan. So as Prabhu was mentioning, this is home. My poor Dham is our home. There's the Mecca, there's the Rome, there is so many other places which are important. But from here, for different people of following different traditions, but from here, the Sankirtan movement of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is spreading all throughout the universe. So, this is the Yuga Dharma, this is the process that actually makes a massive difference. This is the epicenter. From here, the rippling effects are being felt all throughout the world. So, let us all pray and absorb ourselves deeply at the lotus feet of these great Acharyas who have done intense bhajan here. Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, he was chanting one billion names. Took him about, how many years? Nine years. Nine years of just chanting japa before he started his preaching movement. So, it's a good place to chant some more rounds, and to meditate, how can I, how can I do, how can I do, how can I do, how can I absorb this vibration, this spiritual sound vibration, how can I imbibe it, so that when I go out into the world, people will become affected, the potency will be felt. And that is what Gopi Paranatana Prabhu had on his sign on his desk at Govardhan where it says when the inside and the outside become the same, that's when real bhajan or real preaching starts. So if you want to have real bhajan, then you have to make sure that the inside and the outside becomes the same. So Srila Prabhupada was very anxious to develop Mayapur Dham. He said, I want to bring the whole world here. I want everyone to see this gorgeous temple. And for us, this monument is not just a physical or three-dimensional space, but it is the legacy, the teachings that our parampara have left us. Did you wonder why there are so many names in this song? We're singing this song. It's just a list of names. It's a long song. And it's just the major ones, not even everybody, just the major ones. So, we are very fortunate that we have a great line of teachers who have exemplified and 
these teachings by their own lives and examples. So in their places where they did their bhajan and where they lived and also where there's shrines to, to commemorate their appearance or disappearance, we get a special connection with them, which ordinarily would not be possible. One time, Bhavananda Prabhu, he asked Srila Prabhupada, so when we go up to Gaudiamat, so can we, can we get some of the books of your Guru Maharaj? And Srila Prabhupada said, yes, it's possible, but actually he wrote these books for me. Which means that he wrote these books for me and I'm reading my books for you. So whatever I've learned from my guru, I'm freely sharing it with you. So we should not try to be monkeys who can just jump around, as we heard. Monkeys, mosquitoes, what else? Pickpockets Pick and death. death. MMPD. Huh? So monkeys, they jump over everything, so we should not try to be a monkey and think we can bypass our spiritual master or our founder acharya. And some people think, yeah, you know, I can just learn Sanskrit or Bengali or I can just go straight to the source, cut out the middleman, not going to pay tax to no one. And then they end up with counterfeit goods because they get cheated, because somebody already knew about the cheating mentality and they made an arrangement to cheat the cheaters. And that's what's happening in the material world. Have you ever felt cheated? Have you ever felt you were ripped off? Thanks for your honesty. Uh, but sometimes it's got something to do with our own mentality that we want something for nothing or we want something cheap. And then immediately the sharks are moving in. Immediately there's people who are trying to capitalize on that type of mentality. In, back in the day, you could buy an initiation certificate for five rupees at the main gate. Uh, yeah, where the rickshaws are waiting, you know. So if you needed to show off that you've been initiated, you could actually accomplish that feat by five rupees. And you had a deed, a, a certificate, that you've been initiated. But it is not that cheap. So this Guru Karnadharan is actually the, the certificate. Am I hearing the words of my spiritual master? Am I hearing them attentively with my heart? Am I accepting them as my life and soul? And am I making plans? How can I dedicate my existence to the mission of Gurudev? Which is non different from the mission of Mahaprabhu. Because this is parampara. In the material world, huh? people want to be unique. Everybody wants to be outstanding. Everybody wants to be exceptional. They all want to be different. Huh? And that means you can't do what other people do. You have to come up with something different. Huh? But actually, there's nothing different in the mature world. It's all been done before. It's all very boring. But when it becomes too obvious that someone is just copying others, then people object and they say, oh, he's just stealing from here and stealing from there. It's called plagiarism. You can't just copy-paste. But in Vaishnavism, plagiarism in Sanskrit, it's called Guru Parampara. So we're actually following the Parampara and we're saying exactly the same thing that our previous teachers have said. But realization means that we contemplate and we apply the teachings in our own lives. And then whatever resonates with our heart, we respond, we speak that in our own words, and that's called realization. Not that we should try to screw out some new meaning that has never been heard before. 
Have you ever read something that you've never heard before? And part of you, the mind goes, wow, hey, that's, that's interesting, that's new. But then the, the defense mechanism, the intelligence comes in and says, whoa, where did that come from? Who made that stuff up? Is it, is it in line with Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra? Or is somebody just trying to sell their own idea? So we're speaking about the boat to cross the ocean. When you're on a boat, there's basically one, one mission. What's that mission when you're on the boat? Don't drown. Don't jump off the boat. Okay? Just stay on the boat. So like you're on a yatra. Either you're on the yatra or you're off the yatra, right? So just don't, don't leave the yatra. Just stay on. Stay on the current, the sankirtan movement, this transcendental sound vibration. And if we keep on going with that current, with that sound vibration, it is assured, mukti padesadhaya bhak, that you will inherit the fruit whichever our great acharyas have tasted. All these songs that we've been chanting, these same realizations, this is the gift, this is the fruit, this will be revealed in our hearts if we just give ourselves fully to this hearing and chanting process. So let us make a sankalpa vow in this place to not compromise on our hearing and chanting and to fully absorb ourselves in this sankirtan process. And yes, you may end up doing radical things that you thought you'd never do, like approaching seemingly innocent bystanders and talking to them about Krishna and giving them books and Initially, it's a little bit of a stretch. And people may look at you like, are you for real? Do you, is this, is, you really want me to have this? And then if you just muster up a little bit of courage, a little bit of conviction, that yes, this is what everybody does. This is what the entire Guru Parampara does. They come and they spread the holy name without any inhibition, without any feeling of self-consciousness because they just want to benefit others. And then people become appeased because the Lord in their heart tells them, it's okay, it's good for you. Take it and give something. So the process works even though we may not understand it. How can a little bit of hearing make such a difference in your life? It does. It does. So steady drops of water wear away the stone, even though our hearts, in my case, may be stone-like, and so many attachments are there. Yet, when we chisel away with this hearing and chanting process, all of a sudden, it will be obliterated. Like, what's that with sound vibration? You can, they destroy things just by sound. What's it called? Phono, that science. It's like laser, you know, like they can go in with sound and they can actually penetrate, yeah. Yes, sonogram or sonography. Anyhow, with sound vibration, they can actually alter matter just by sound do you ever feel your life has been altered when you get gonged you know somebody bangs some gong around you you just get gonged or these big loudspeakers that are now coming up everywhere so let us absorb ourselves and dedicate ourselves to the sound vibration to this hearing process and then our chanting will automatically become very natural very compelling and very attractive for other people. So thank you all for 
taking this effort to come, most of you halfway across the world, to come home to the place where the Sankirtan movement started and to make plans how to spread it as far as possible, starting with ourselves. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Just take a few reflections now. Any of the realizations that you had from the places we've been or for anything that you've heard so far? And yes, yeah, Shraddha, over by the pillar. I was just thinking about uh, when you mentioned about the home, the fact that you know we, are, we need to have a home button. I, w I was remembering that when iPhone 10 came and there was no home button. Yeah. <laughs> It was very uncomfortable at that time. <laughs> very uncomfortable. Yeah. Prabhu? Before coming to here, I visited my native place, like where I born, technically, in Rajasthan. And I found what I've been doing has been observed by many uh, around me. But they all question, like, what is this? Like, where do you get time? what is the benefit of this and <clears throat> I find hard to explain but I keep doing what I need to do hoping that one day they will understand uh, the importance even my mother questioned me like okay why, why are you doing this what is what is why <laughs> so it's very hard to quantify to them or the benefit but I prefer like I keep doing what I'm doing and not worry about their question. But if you have better idea or something, I would like to know. That's why you're on the Yatra. Because it's like when somebody sees a UFO. They go in their backyard and they're standing there watching. All of a sudden, a, you know, a spaceship lands and they see these uh, Martians get out. And they've run back in the house. It's like, I just saw a UFO land. And everyone's going, get out of here, you're crazy. And then he tries telling a bunch of other friends, and they go like, okay, thanks. Enough with the UFO stuff. So finally, he has to go online and find a UFO society that says, you know, old people like, yeah, I saw, I saw one too. <laughs> then they, he finds his people. And so... Krishna consciousness is so far-fetched. Actually, there's, there, for the material world, it, it's really off the beaten path for most people. My, my godbrother, um, Pushkar Prabhu, was telling me that he was distributing Bhaktikadid magazines many years ago, and this man came up to him, and he, and he goes, so what are you doing? He said, here, these are books about God and the origin of life and everything. And the man said, let me see it. And he's going through, and page by page, looks at all the pictures, kind of observing everything, and then he goes, you know, this stuff's so strange, you must be telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I noticed is some of my relatives, you know, my mother and father were both academics, and they, they, they kept Krishna consciousness at an arm's length. They appreciated that it was okay for me. And, but as far as opening their heart or the philosophy, it was very difficult for them to appreciate it at all until the end came. And then it totally changed because there's only so much you can hold on to the material world, the mental construct of this is my life, this is my country, all these things really fall apart really quickly when one's own demise, physical demise, is coming up and one searches for other things. So devotees have always had this conundrum. How is it that the, the rest of the world will understand what, what we're doing? Navina was going to say something about that. Yeah, thank you. I wouldn't be too worried. Usually it takes about 150, 150 years before you're dead 
after you're dead before people will actually recognize what you've done. So, so just be patient, okay? <laughs> Don't think you're going to see it in your lifetime. Like even in Gaudiamat, Prabhupada was not a key player if you study history. He was, if you look at their history books, probably he won't be even mentioned. But because he was tuned into the frequency, he was tuned into the right station and completely dedicated to that, now, just a few decades later, you can see what's going on. And we visit all these historic places, but one time Prabhupada was up on the Lotus Building and I think it was Hari Sori. He, he, was, uh, he was having one of them, how do you call these glasses where you can look far? Telescope. Telescope, a small one. And he was looking over to Gaudiamat, Yogapit, just down here. And Prabhupada asked Hari Sori, what do you see? And Hari Sori said, nothing. And Prabhupada said, exactly, that's what it is. <laughs> Nothing's going on. And why not? Because of this difference. Because of the hearing and chanting difference. There's so many holy places where people do some worship and some pilgrims come. But unless people actually make it their mission to share this with others and to go out and spread it, it just becomes very internal. It becomes very small, so to speak. And because Prabhupada was not worried, he was not having any doubts whether this was the process. So he was very happy to start small. You see the hut there near the main gate? That was Iskan Mayapur. There was a curtain in there. And on one side was Prabhupada, and then there was a few boys, and there was a curtain, and there was a few ladies, all in that hut. That was it. That was Iskan Mayapur. So if you'd come in that time, you would think, like, what is this? This is the world headquarters? of our mission and now there's over a thousand centers and we just go there you know and pay our respects and take one straw from the hut you know and put it same on with Sri Vasangam that's a small place too but as you're saying it's the, the quality of the vibration that then expands it's like a nuclear reaction starts with an atom at least I don't know about nuclear reactions I've heard about atom, atomic reactions, but, but there's there's definitely a chain reaction when the atom is apparently split or compromised in some way. It it, it chain, has a chain reaction that goes on and on. What else? A few more reflections. Yes, Kalindi Prema. Her first time off of North North America. <laughs> So I like how you were saying that, like Prabhupada's timeline, how it took a long time for him to, to go all in. And I'm walking around here and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I, have, I don't know what they're singing. I don't know enough to be here. I don't deserve to be here. So I really liked hearing that, that it's a timeline, it, it's a process. So. Yeah, Prabhupada said when he first started hearing from his guru, he didn't understand everything that he was saying, but he diligently listened. He said that, and then everything became clearer. That's the nature of transcendental sound also. It's self-clarifying. If you just sincerely try to hear, it's not like in a math class, if you miss something, then you're finished, and you're going to get an F and flunk the class. But if you sincerely go on hearing and try to understand it, Krishna within the heart, it said, Srinvatam Svakata Krishna Punya Shravana Kirtana Hridyan Hibadrani Vitunoti Saritsitam He's there and he helps. And he reveals everything in due course of time. It's such a powerful, simple process. Thank you very much. It's a, it's a nice, please go ahead. Nice to have your perspective, this perspective of those who are here for the first time in the Dom. I like the point that you made that um, four things, monkey, pickpockets, death, and the fourth one I forgot. Mosquitoes. Mosquitoes. And, and that's the point I like, that they come and then just go. And then Naveen Neerad Prabhu mentioned about, you know, we don't have to be monkeys. We don't have to look out anything else. Prabhupada has given us everything and we just need to follow it. Yeah. 
and it, you find out it's not limited. If you go into Prabhupada's books, you'll, if you really try to make a study of the books, you'll see that you won't be able to come to the end of it in this lifetime, or maybe several lifetimes of, of really absorbing everything that's there. As Prabhupada used the word assimilate, he said assimilate what you have. Because he, he, there was this argument that went on when devotees first came to India and they found out there were other books besides Prabhupada's. And so one of the temple presidents had banned any other books. And then there was this argument, it's like, well, Prabhupada said we could read other books. And he said, no, you can't read other books. So they, they talked to Prabhupada on a morning walk. He said, Prabhupada, temple president brought it up, the, the, the conundrum, the argument that's going on. He said, we, he said, we shouldn't read books from the previous acharyas. And Prabhupada said, I have said? I did not say. I said, you should read the books of the previous acharyas. He said, but my point was, you should first assimilate what you have. And th this is uh, something if you look into, how much have I actually assimilated? So it takes some time, hearing for a long time, to assimilate what we actually have. Two more and then we'll... Yes, Prabhu. Prabhu, I liked what you said at uh, Shiva Sangam that there is no, no material impediment in the Sankirtan movement. So the hurdles will come, but there is really no impediment. Yeah, and you know that because the fact that, you know, you and Shamahini have been working so hard in Toronto for over a decade um, taking risks. To, it's a risk to say that I'm going to expand, I'm going to keep growing and making the Sankirtan party bigger and so forth, because then means you have to do it. <laughs> and how you're going to do it, that's the tricky part. But then we find out, and you found out, that Lord Chaitanya always makes some kind of arrangement, right? Is that true? Can you tell us any details about that? I mean, details are the interesting part. He's a statistician. He knows all the different... <laughs> can give us some details. <clears throat> well, Prabhu, I'm in Toronto, as we know, it's, uh, the climate and the weather is not very supportive uh, for devotees to go out, so it's always a challenge uh, to be innovative. And <clears throat> we had uh, challenges uh, even this year, but Vaisheshika Prabhu, you know, made the prayers and, uh, and he really sent it to us saying that uh, just set the goal and meditate on the next step. And Lord Chaitanya will move heaven and earth to make it happen. And so with that meditation, um, we set a very high goal, which would allow us to meet the, maintain our, our commitment to BBT for the remittance and like a catch up for the year, for 2019. And that translated into 1000 boxes of Bhagavad Gita soft uh, for marathon. And <laughs> and yes, it was a next to impossible goal um, and Krishna made the arrangement, uh, Madhav Govind Prabhu was there to witness it personally and with his blessings and, and so many others, uh, that goal was met, um, partly, uh, you know, majority being like Shastradhan and, and devotees really went out of their way. To, to distribute books on the street and in the st grocery stores, uh, fighting the, the, the inclement weather conditions and finding ways, as well as the temple community congregation came together to really support um, and get inspired. So like Vaisheshya Prabhu always says, it becomes a yagya peet and, and as devotees were trying their best, it really inspired uh, the rest of the community to, to come forward and support. So in the end, we actually met that goal and it allowed us to, to also send the, the Lakshmi to BBT and meet the 2019 goal for remittance. Thank you, Radha Mohan Prabhu. These are details that are um, behind every endeavor. The devotees following in the footsteps of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta and all the other acharyas take up this life of spreading Krishna consciousness and it means that there are a lot of practical aspects that we have to deal with. And that's actually a life of surrender, is using one's life practically to maintain what, what we've been given or to try to increase in various ways.
One more um, reflection. Yes. Okay. You mentioned that Sri Panchatattva and Sri Narsingha Dev on one altar is the best we can have and then that's, there's nothing more to ask for to fulfill our wishes. Thank you for sharing that. It's a powerful um, place, isn't it? The Sri Vasangam, and then we saw Panchatattva with Narsingha Dev in front and just thinking <laughs> that if you can ha have Darshan there and express your desire to continue practicing Krishna consciousness, how would, your how would you not be protected and your desires not be fulfilled? It's impossible. Prabhu, you were going to say something. I mean, it's a similar point to what Ramon Prabhu said, but uh, just like you mentioned that how even with the broken Vridanga, um, Mahaprabhu and his associates were continuing the Sankirtan. I was thinking at ISV, even though there is no soliciting written, people just barge in and uh, <laughs> distribute uh, Bhagavatams and books anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. That was one of the first videos we made. It, it, was, sh it showed the no soliciting sign and then it panned to the devotees walking in, <laughs> knocking on all the doors. <laughs> It's quite appropriate. Natchari Armarman, Natchari Armarman, Natchari Armarman, Natchari Armarman.